Welcome to People with Purpose. So many people are looking for meaning, but they don't know where to start. Imagine a world where everyone could just get their purpose out of them and then actually make it happen. I'm David Roberts, and I believe that we all have a purpose, and with focus and a little help, people with purpose make a difference. And this show is where these stories come to life. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of People with Purpose. Uh, Today we are on episode four, I believe, of the Calm Leadership series. And we're now into communication. So Calm stands for Communication, Accountability, Leadership and Management. And it's a model through which you can become a better leader. And great leaders really create great leaders. So How can we go about doing this? Well, communication is really at the heart of it. The way we choose to see the world creates the world we see. So the way we choose to see the world creates the world we see. That is a a quote from Barry Neil Kaufman. And a lot of that is about communication. So communication is defined as the imparting or exchanging of information by speaking, writing, or using some other medium. And the reality is that humans rely on language uh, to share information, experience, to negotiate, uh, to express emotion, thoughts. But communication is a great deal more than that. Assuming communication is just about words, It's kind of like saying uh, professional sport is just big kids playing games. I mean, that might be your view of the world. If so, that's okay. (laughs) No judgment. But um, it's a bit more than that, right? So assuming it's just about words, let's look at it another way, is kind of like going on holiday to a beautiful tropical island and spending the entire time with your eyes closed, your nostrils uh, plugged, your body wrapped in temperature-controlled plastic, your taste buds removed, and your hearing reduced to only receive sound compressed into a monotone, robotic, computer-generated drawl. It's kind of like that. We experience life not just through Words, think what all your other senses bring to make life the rich or the poor experience it can be. So why is communication so important and core to the calm model of leadership? Well, think about your marketing. You can have the best product or the best known product. Which is going to be more successful? In sales, Asking the right questions enables you to give people the confidence that helps them to buy. Think about service, empathy, gratitude. Again, the right questions to identify and solve the problem for the customer. Leadership, vision, alignment, and motivating the team. Understanding and Retaining and growing the individuals in the team all depends on communication. And that then flows through into performance. You know, that clarity around where you need to be focusing, how you need to be performing, being really specific about it, 
relationships, you know, building rapport, building trust. And you know, communication being a two-way thing enables the world and the people in it to collaborate to, to make a change, but also that helps a message to land. We're all different. We're all unique. And if you want to achieve anything in life, your ability to communicate and to be communicated with is vital. You hear lots of talk about education and what's the point of education. If education teaches one thing to our young people coming through today, it's that ability to communicate. And I'm going to go quite deep on communication today. I mean, communication is a podcast, it's a book, it's a series of books, it's a massive subject. And I go as deep as I dare uh, to really kind of get into the richness and the colour of all this. Because it's important for us to understand that we all experience the world in different ways. And when someone doesn't understand something that you're saying to them, it's not their fault. So let me say that again. We all experience the world in different ways. And when someone doesn't understand something you are saying to them, it is not their fault. Now, it's not necessarily your fault either. But it's your responsibility as the communicator, as the leader, to find different ways to help that person to understand what it is you mean. So have you ever found yourself saying things like, those people just don't get what I'm asking them to do? Or, he doesn't want to learn. Or, this is going to go way above their heads. Or, they just don't understand. And almost worse still, They'll never be able to learn this. I don't think they're ever going to get this. And in what circumstances? You know, has that been when you've lost a sale? When you've been knocked back for a job? They don't understand me. When you've been unable to secure investment, when you've had an argument or a relationship has broken down. You know, if you're in a situation where you're a leader and you feel like you're having to repeat yourself until you're blue in the face, then the message hasn't got across. And potentially, what's that meant? Well, you might have lost money. You might have gone late on a project. You might have lost the team. You might have even lost the job just because they didn't get it or didn't get you. And this is so important because if you are a leader, and we all are, with a purpose, and we've all got one, uh, on a mission, and you, you need the help of others, you really do need the help of others. Because most of what anyone achieves in life is by virtue of what others contribute. So to help people to understand is vitally important. And in order to help people to understand, you have to first understand them and understand yourself. So this isn't about coercing, you know, working out what makes people tick so you can manipulate them. This is about connecting. So. If any of that's happened to you, then, um, you know, you're not alone. You're human. The good news is it's because you're doing stuff. You know, you're doing your best. Every day, everyone on the planet misfires on their communication in some way, shape or form. You can guarantee that this podcast episode will resonate with some people more than others because I've not nudged all the levers. I've not 
pushed all the dials. I've not pushed the right buttons with some people. Now, I've got to take responsibility for that. I've also got to accept that it's not for everyone and everything isn't for everyone. But, you know, what makes one thing right for somebody and not for somebody else is about them. And communication is how you draw out and understand that. So there's a way to be a better communicator. And here's a suggestion, an offering for you. Napoleon Hill said, Desire is the starting point of all achievement. Not a hope, not a wish, but a keen, pulsating desire which transcends everything. And when I think about desire, you sort of see it as an urge. So I've taken the word urge because with your communication, you're urging yourself to understand others. You're urging others to respond. And urge gives a sense of intent. Again, not coercion, but encouragement. So the urge model of calm. The U stands for understand. So what's that person's model of the world? And what is the model of the world? What is the worldview that people have? Because they're all different. And how can you listen and look for clues? The R of urge is to reframe. So how can you change what you say to talk in their language so that they can see what you're saying, so they can feel your message? And then the G is the gift, the gift of communication. How can you make it about them? How do you want them to feel? What do you want them to think? What do you want them to know before and after? And how can you ask questions to empower people? So that's the gift of communication. And then the E of urge stands for embody. And this is about practice. This is about how you can bring these communication techniques into your daily walk, your daily life, and into the daily walk and daily lives of others. So step one on calm. Today, we're going to cover the U and the R. So we're going to cover the, the uh, understanding and the reframing. Uh, and, uh, and then in a week's time, we'll be coming back to the gift of communication and how to embody it. So step one, understand. Understand that we all have our own worldview and we experience it in completely different ways. So why is our map of the world different? Well, there are Depending on who you hear, who you hear, who you listen to about communication, uh, who you hear and listen to, there are between nine and sixteen million bits of information hitting your senses at any one time, and the conscious mind is a cracking uh, computer, but it can't handle it. It can handle maybe five to nine chunks of info at any one time. So it all goes into your super computer, into your subconscious, all this information. Um, so if you're looking out the window right now, what can you see? Uh, there's gazillions of bits and bytes of data that are flying through your retinas into your brain. And you're your 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 conscious mind is 
going very through very, very fast processes to uh, process that information, to really pick out what's important. And the point of that is, one, to keep you safe, uh, and two, to keep you alive. So that's the main function of that initial filter. And so what we do in our heads is we all do this. We either distort what we see, so what we're seeing or feeling or hearing, because some of us have got all of our senses, some of us not. So uh, whatever information is coming in, whatever external event is happening, we uh, can distort it. So we distort it, we generalize it, or we delete it as not being important. And, and so that comes through both from the point of view of um, you know, physical things that we see. So uh, if you think about it, you're looking at a green field, um, how long does it take for you to see things in the field? Uh, because initially you might just see a wall of green. Looks nice, but it's just a wall of green. How long does it take for you to notice the individual leaves on the trees? How long does it take for you to uh, recognise the sounds? How long does it take for you to get the smell of, you know, the grass or maybe the pollen if you're sensitive to hay fever and get the fear? Um, how long does it take for you to be in a scene or in an environment and for all the the richness to, to come through. It takes a while because your mind is generalizing. It kind of sees a kind of a wall of green and it looks for the important stuff, the things that stand out that might be either threats or opportunities. That's kind of what happens. And where we're all different is we've all had different experiences. So we all distort, generalize, or delete things in very different ways. So the way we do that is by putting this through a kind of like a set of filters. So we distort things in a certain way because of our values, because of our beliefs, because of our attitudes and our decisions, and maybe our memories, you know. So if you think about it, remember something that happened to you that uh, was unpleasant. And um, so maybe um, you were in a meeting and somebody cut you down. Actually, in a meeting, this probably happened way before that, right? You were at school, you put your hand up and uh, you made a comment and the whole class laughed at you, okay? Now, that happens to a lot of people. For some people, that translates into a belief. It says, if I put my hand up or if I speak up, people are going to laugh at me, people are going to judge me. And that's because there's a memory there that you've attached meaning to that says, if I do this, then this will happen. And there's so many different examples of it. But if you think about it, what it means is that we've all had our own experiences and our own reactions and the deep psychology uh, I'm not going to go into now, but hopefully that's enough for you to be able to relate that we've all got our own uh, view of the world from these experiences. And so therefore that affects everything we see or hear. We have to dial up different energies to be able to hear things in a different way. If we've had an experience like that, for example, to dial up the courage to put our hand up if we've had an experience like that. And for you as the communicator, 
It's not for you to judge somebody else's view of the world. If you're judging, you're leaving no room in your head for curiosity. It's for you to make sure you understand their map as the communicator and yours to put yourself on the same page, to be able to build rapport with that person. If you think about it, if you're um, navigating, so maps, maps are great, right? They show you where you are in relation to other things. They help you to find where to go. I don't know if you've ever been on a hike or um, out in the wilds or trying to get somewhere different, and you've got two maps on the go. Now, you could be on a journey in a car, and you could have the sat-nav in the car. You could have the uh, the app on the phone, where the passenger might be looking at a phone, and, and you might have uh, the map that's showing the same journey, but it's suggesting different routes because they're different maps. You can get um, maps that are on different scales. I like to get out on the moors and uh, do a bit of uh, self-navigating bit of running on the moors. Remember a time when I was out with a, a pal of mine and, uh, and we both had our own maps and uh, they had different scales. So one to 40,000 or one to 25,000. So they look slightly different. Both the same territory, if you like, but different maps. And we got into a massive a massive row about what the right way to go was. It's a friendly row, you know, we get on well. But when you're out in the wilds and, you know, you, you're not quite sure which direction you should be going, you don't want to be out there for too long. You don't want to get lost. So it's important. And we both believed we were right. My map was suggesting direction A. His map was suggesting direction B. It was only when we came together that we realised that we had different maps. It was the same place. We took the time to understand that his map had some value to offer in certain circumstances, good for navigating ourselves through tighter areas where we needed more detail. My map was good for the, the bigger picture. Nothing to do with me. It's just, or him, it's just the maps were different. We were then able to move from that confusion about the two maps effectively telling us to go in different directions to saying, okay, under these circumstances, this map is really helpful. This map can really serve us to get to destination as quickly as possible. And under these circumstances, this map is the lead. So your job as a leader is to help people to understand this and to navigate it well. And Einstein said, Reality is merely an illusion, albeit a very persistent one. Love that quote. There's a very, very good chance you'll see things, hear things, feel things, smell things, taste things very differently to anyone else. Your reality will therefore be very different to someone else's, and therefore your reactions will likely be very different to anyone else's. So if someone doesn't understand what you're saying, it often just means you're not using their learning style. We all learn in different ways, and this is through our senses. So for people to understand things, the more senses that you can engage of theirs, 
the better the flow of communication, the e easier it becomes. And the more that you know about how people prefer to receive information, the better the results you'll get. Now, there's preferences in how we use our senses. So visual, auditory, kinesthetic. So what we can see, what we can hear, and, and what we feel, what we can touch. There's also smell and taste. But the top three really are, are visual, auditory, and kinesthetic. So how can you tell what someone's preferences are? Well, you can listen and observe. So once you've understood we've got a different map, it's about then understanding, okay, how do people interpret that through their experience and that's through their senses? And listening and observing is so powerful. Listen to yourself. How often do you say, sounds good? How often do you say things like, hmm, don't like the look of that? Or it doesn't feel right. So there's different clues in what people say. Like I said at the top of this episode, the way we choose to see the world creates the world we see. But if you take that Barry Neil Kaufman quote and change a couple of the words, the way we choose to say the world creates the world we say. The way we choose to feel the world creates the world we feel. And you could do the same for smell and taste as well. So when you've got a message to convey or you're in a conversation with somebody, how can you listen to the words that they use? How can you uh, get a feel for um, whether they say words like uh, you know, visual orientated words or sound orientated word, words or feeling orientated words. And how can you then then put that into how you communicate with them by including pictures? I mean, I like standing up and talking and speaking with no slides, partly because I don't really enjoy the process of putting slides together very much. But if there's a message that needs to be conveyed, it needs to be accompanied with a picture. It needs to be accompanied perhaps with key words on a slide because people in the audience may not respond well to my voice. People in the audience may need a bit more help. They might need the visual to be able to go, okay, I see what you're saying. So communication is about really kind of putting yourself in other people's shoes and looking to engage as many of those senses as you possibly can. So using slides, diagrams, drawings, photos. And if those images can not just explain what you're saying, but also kind of bring an emotional connection, bring some humour, bring some poignancy, then you're then accessing the emotion that sits behind the preference as well and digging into that model of the world to get that engagement. If you can let people uh, experiment and touch and learn by doing rather than just by being told, then that can drive their sense of touch. And if they're kinesthetic, kinesthetic, that will help them to learn. It will help them to get the message. So, you know, and like I say, you can even bring in smelling and tasting if you want to. And the way that you describe things, 
And if you're trying to describe a scene, so that scene of um, if you're in a green field, uh, can you um, can you feel the breeze on your face as the wind uh, comes across? It's a very light breeze. Feel it on your face as it comes across uh, the field. And with it, it brings the smell of freshly cut grass. And maybe there's a hint of jasmine in the air uh, from a bush that's in the hedgerow just there. And that then brings that whole scene to life for people who have other sensory preferences uh, that um, want to be with you, but you've got to help them. You've got to help them to bring on the journey. And another way is in your body language. So, like I said at the top, if it's about the world that you see and the words that you use, then that is such a small part of it. Communication. Um, Albert uh, Merabian, uh, he was the guy who, who dug into this and his findings in, in the early 70s were that uh, body language is a massive part of how we communicate. So 55% body language, 38% tonality, and 7% the words that you use. One thing that can often happen is you can be having a conversation with somebody and you can upset them. You didn't mean to. And you ask, you ask them why. And they say, well, it's not what you said. It's the way that you said it. There's a few jokes around that. Uh, but um, it's really true. The way that you say things, the, word, the words is only part of it. The tonality, the way that you express um, vocally with the, the, the tempo, the sharpness, the, the rhythm, the pauses, um, they all make a difference to how the message lands. And then in body language, this is about listening and observing. I'd ask you to observe that in other people. I'd ask you to think about, okay, how can you detect the very subtle changes in body movement, in body position, the little twitches, if you like, that you might see in other people if you're looking? And particularly when you're delivering a message or when you're making a comment, when you're in conversation, people's body position will shift. When people's body language changes, their physiology changes, you see them either tighten up or relax. What's actually happening is, I mean, they might just have a, an itch, <laughs> but in, in which case, hopefully they'll scratch it. But it, there might be something going on inside their head, which means what's happening is they're creating a, um, a view in their mind's eye. They are digging back into that map of the world, that view of the world that they've got. They're going through a process of distorting, generalizing, or deleting what you're saying. They're putting it through those filters. They're matching up what you're saying against their values, against their beliefs, against some memory they might have in the blink of an eye. And their body position will change. It will tighten up. The lips might purse. Or they might relax if what you're saying, they're seeing in a way that 
chimes with them or resonates with them. So body language can give you a real indication of not just how somebody is feeling when you arrive and what somebody uh, is thinking and where their head might be at, what their mindset might be at, how you might need to approach them, but also when you're in conversation with them. It also gives you some clues about how it's going. And these are all clues, right? These are not definitives. And it's about how you practice this observation that really, over time, helps you to become a better communicator. Because you're giving people what they need. You're also more aware of your own tonality, your own body language. And that helps you to convey a message in a way that's more accessible, less driven by your own model of the world. So oftentimes, the sentences we form, they are made unconsciously, right? And, and the body shapes we adopt and, and the, the twitches and responses and um, muscle movements are unconsciously formed as well. We often limit ourselves in truth uh, through the language that we, we use. And we do that because we are distorting, deleting, or generalizing that perception. So the role of the leader is to harness communication, is to expand or modify people's views of the world, not to judge it, but to open it up. Because sometimes people's view of the world is holding them back. Sometimes your view of the world is holding you back. And through communication, in a way that recognises that we all view the world differently, that helps you to use words, sounds, descriptions, environments that mean that it awakens and engages more of people's senses. And through really observing how that's going while you're in the, in the conversation, it means that through communication, you can move people, you can inspire people, you can relate to people. And if you move people, you change their state. And if you can change their state from a state that's holding them back or holding your organization back or stopping you from moving forward into a state that's open to taking the next step, then your communication is beginning to make a difference to those around you. So that's all the core part of understanding. Now, I've spoken for longer on understanding than I thought I would. So I think what I'm going to do now is I'm going to break this into two episodes and I'm going to go on to reframing communication in the next episode of People With Purpose. It's important to uh, be able to modify and adapt your communication as you go along. And this is a living example of that. So thanks for joining. And I look forward to speaking with you again soon. I hope this is helpful. And I'm really, really grateful to you for, for taking your time to, to spend with me and to go on this journey. Uh, 
This is a really fascinating topic and uh, as you can tell, it's something I'm passionate and really curious about. So I'd love to hear what you think and uh, look forward to seeing you next time on People With Purpose. Thanks for listening to People With Purpose. I hope you've enjoyed the show and are enjoying going on this journey. Please remember to like and subscribe and give us a five-star review. Uh, Tell all your friends. And if you're interested in finding out more about any of the things we've covered in this episode of People With Purpose, just get in touch. All the details are in the show notes. Thanks. Bye.